0: Have you ever wondered how much money a retail trader can make in a single trading day? In this episode, we have a very special guest, the man of mystery, Steven Ducks. Ducks is a verified trader and he holds a record for the highest P&L in a single trading day in 2022, making over $6 million trading DWAC in one day. I personally have a lot of respect for Ducks. He's very young, but he has matured as a trader and mastered the arts of trading penny stocks using psychology and statistics and extreme discipline. In this video, you're going to learn Steven's approach to trading small cap stocks using trader psychology, Steven's various methods of tracking statistics, how to recognize patterns and capture high profitability trades, and how to avoid overtrading. Make sure to hit the like button and join me today for a very insightful conversation with Stephen Dux. Welcome to the Humble Traders Podcast, Stephen.
1: Hello you
0: are a really famous trader on twitter and youtube and you are really famously known for that i think was the dwac where you made uh, yeah. six was it six million dollars in one day yeah, yeah right so i think a lot of people know you for that and of course a lot of other profits you've had over the years mm-hmm. if you could tell audience how is this year treating you so far and how you're adjusting to the market
1: this year is not as good as 2021, 2022. Mm. The beginning of the year was okay. Uh, since ever since uh, May and June, I mean that later this year is not very active. Yeah. And uh, this year's market has been uh, has been okay, uh, mm. profitable, and not making as aggressive as m- money as uh, compared to 2021. Uh, still up in the seven figures um, and the lower s- seven figures, okay. crazy high approaching uh, eight figures. Um, but volume has gone down about 90 percent, 80 percent compared to 2021 and 2022. Hmm. The market has become much more competitive compared to okay. the last two years, especially on the short side. Um, yeah. As we know that shorting has ninety percent, or or has much higher winning percentage compared to buying, so majority of the money are held or held by short sellers, mm. and so if short sellers are trying to pile in into a ticker and there's not many loans in there, so their uh, first short seller cover and second short seller cover above that, so it will cause a massive parabolic. Uh, as we saw in like T.O.P.
0: Mm-hmm. So from my understanding is you're predominantly a short seller, right? Yes. Okay. I do want to ask you a little bit later on about your, like specific short strategies you're doing and how you're using your statistics okay. to track those high odds, as okay. you call it. Um, but that's like a step back. How did you get into trading in the first place? And how many years have you been trading now? I got into
1: trading when I was 19. So okay. the, the freshman year of college. How did I get into trading? While
0: you in school? Yes,
1: Uh, I don't have a very good family history, but uh, okay. uh, So at that time, my mom and dad are going through divorce. Uh, So I was just trying to solve some of the financial pressure from Mm -hmm. my from my mom's side, and uh, I used my. Uh, tuitions as my base money to okay. trade which is about which is twenty five thousand. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> um first of all i i think at, at the very beginning i lost half of it uh, and oh, then, okay. then i borrowed some money from my friends started again <laughs> you have rich friends not rich <laughs> friends but i have to pay interest on that money so, oh okay so, so um but uh and i started again uh that's where i went from i think twenty-seven thousand to 900,000 mm-hmm. first year then uh second year was $2. seven million. Third was i mean it goes up from there
0: so so you were trading with the tuition money and then eventually, once you start making money, is that how you paid for your school, for the rest of the college? Or did you drop out of college?
1: I mean, still in school and pay for the tuition of whatever the money I made from trading. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: And what was your major?
1: Uh, engineering.
0: Oh, I was gonna guess either like mathematics or engineering. Uh, yeah, chemical, cool.
1: chemical engineering.
0: Chemical, okay. Yeah. So what what did you aspire to be at the time when you were still going through school?
1: Uh, I mean, I like engineering. I like very statistic-based
0: mm, okay. so
1: uh, major, and I chose engineering. And the reason why I went to engineering, I want to more focused on to uh, nanotechnology.
0: Nanotechnology. Yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: at that time, we we're focused on nanotubes, I think. But uh, then uh, I shift my focus more into uh, trading afterwards. Mm, Okay.
0: So how did you, I understand you were trying to make some money to help out with your family. So why trading stocks? And how did you discover stock trading in the first place? Uh, Okay. So yeah.
1: So um, well, first of all, $25,000 is not a lot of money. First of all, as uh, international students, we Mm. don't, I mean, where our communication skills are not very good compared to the, the natives people being here. Oh, like so, in so terms of English? In turn, Yeah, in terms of okay, English. So I see. trying to do the talk businesses uh, or like real estate, you have to communicate with other people. So okay. that's you know a big, I would say, shortage for, for some people like us. And mm-hmm. we also came in as a F1 student. So okay. there, you can't really have a job but uh, only in campus. You only can have a job in campus. Yeah, okay,
0: yeah, I remember. And you're
1: making about like $6 an hour or $7 Mm. an hour. So that's not efficient. Yeah. Um, And with 25,000, I looked through pretty much all of the uh, industry. And the Mm. only one you can make money is trading to... using small amount of capital to get over a 1,000% or 10,000% return. Uh, That's see. where I looked into it, and I see a lot of potential into it, but I also see a lot of risk, so I mm. just need to take a bit.
0: I, I I was also an international student in the States. I went to f- school in Florida. Uh-huh. So, at the time, I, was, I discovered trading around the last year, so senior year, but I didn't actually trade because I didn't have the money. But I was like, trying to save up from like my $7 a, a, an hour like, on campus job, but that helped me save up. So that brought back some good memories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I
1: mean, yeah, similar, similar to both.
0: So you found out about trading stocks. Mm-hmm. did you start with like with day trading right away or did you invest or you know people do like dividend investing or swing trading or did you just dive into the wild wild west of day trading not
1: oh uh, well, pretty much straightforward into day trading the first oh, okay. ticker i traded was uh, etf i think it was okay uvxy i mean it's an etf okay. but uh, that's the first trade. Made twenty dollars. Mm. But uh, <laughs> good job. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, there is a bunch of trading histories that I have. I think that I dive straight, pretty much straightforward into day trading. Mm. And okay. uh, the first trade was very lucky. I think I made ten thousand in one trade. Really? Yeah. I think I
0: with twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: I think I had a, uh, a th- I think a three thousand dollar position. Okay. So, ticker went like 300% mm. then I made 10,000. I think the trading could be that easy. So,
0: oh, okay.
1: And and the next few weeks instantly 50% down. I mean, oh. trading on some stupid tickers and, and over-trading.
0: Were you following alerts at first or did you actually like try to learn strategies and trade? I
1: don't follow alerts okay. and That's I, good. I I uh, I, tr- I want to learn strategies because I look in this industry, a little bit differently because I see, well, in trading industry, if you wait, if you make money, mm-hmm. somebody else is losing money. Yeah. Right. So, Zero sum game. Yeah. Very simple concept. Yeah. So, um, that means if you are following alerts, mm-hmm. a lot of people going into one directions. That means the, if ninety percent people in the trading industry are losing money. Yeah. Ten percent are making money. That means. Uh, majority <laughs> of the you know you have to go opposite of yeah. ma- what well, the majority goes. So I start going the opposite sides of sh- shorting alerts.
0: Oh, uh, so you start out a contrarian from like very early on when people are like pumping all those alerts, you're shorting
1: them. <laughs> i yeah. Oh,
0: you figured that out super early.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean at the very beginning of my career, I start making mm. like twenty percent, thirty percent gain. I mean then you start not <laughs> start not work doesn't well you start to not work as well because um, my size is getting bigger and there's not many people chasing alerts anymore and the stock Mm. becomes very illiquid. So it's hard to get out. Uh, But uh, that's where my first, I would say $50,000, $40,000 came from.
0: So you started trading pretty big size almost right away then, right? Because you mentioned you were taking... 3,000 dollars, three thousand $3, shares, $3,000 worth of positions? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess you were trading with a $27,000 account to yes. avoid PDT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how often were you trading? Since you didn't have the restriction of PDT, were you still trading every day?
1: Not trading every day. Okay. Um, but when there's a play, I'm in there. Mm, <laughs> so it's okay. still over trading. But uh, I think I was making about four to five trades a week.
0: And did you dive into full-time trading, or were you still? I guess you were you managing the classwork and trading on the side. Yes, yes, pretty okay. much. Trading how did you on, find the schedule then?
1: I mean, not. Tra- I mean, look at the phone during class. Oh, I mean, okay. I mean, I mean, other other than the exam, but you know, see, just look at the phone during class. Uh, using TD Ameritrade and not anything. Oh, like. Oh,
0: okay. You know, and how did that work out? Trading on the phone
1: does I mean, not work very very well. Okay. Slow and uh first of all it's slow second it's i it mean take a while to put in limit orders and <laughs> limit orders yeah yeah so it's not quick at all it was sometimes you miss i miss a couple thousand dollars trying, just just trying to get out at one mm. point and 10 seconds later you know we're 10 percent down
0: and this is all your first year of trading or how long did it take for you to eventually become profitable six months six months yeah six months Mm -hmm. that's really really fast
1: uh yes because uh i look at so uh, i think the fastest approach to trading is to look at other people's mistakes because Mm -hmm. whatever mistakes they made i might run into it later definitely so so i look through grittani's entire trading record yeah and uh, i think was uh, on the team side of the student. They're, they're, they have their tr- record on, uh, on profit. I think I it was a very early stage oh. of, uh, of trading. And I was also looking at uh, Investor Underground mm. and other people well, people on Twitter to talk about their trading and post their profits. I, I, I don't typically look at their wins. I only look at losses. And mm. I want to be able to, even though they don't post the entry and exit chart, but I want to be able to guess where they, where they shorted it, I see. Where, where they got, uh, where they exited. Uh-huh. Or uh, maybe they made a huge mistake, they continued to add, and eventually got pulled out of the position. So all those mistakes are very valuable experience for me. So that's when I become very uh, profitable because mm. I actively avoid those mistakes.
0: Yeah, you, you, you're really young, but you're also really wise. A lot of people who start out trading, they want to see like, the flashy P&Ls the big profit, but you were looking the opposite. You are looking at people's losses and looking at learning from their mistakes. Yeah.
1: Um, and also, I know that there's three base factors. First of all, is human mistakes. And that's number mm-hmm. one you have to fix. Okay. Number two is uh, patterns come from psychology. Yeah. Because if you're making money, that means other people are making mistakes, mm. and you know how stock uh, it really is. It, it's really emotional driven. Yeah. So psychology is a very plays very big part of mm. uh, in trading. So understanding the people that's going the opposite directions, or um, I mean, they're behind the computer clicking the button, making mistakes. So you have to understand their psychology first. And third, you have to use your statistics theory to back up the psychology side. Hmm. Um, then, uh, with those three combined, then it's instantly profitable. Oh. So, but it takes well, it, it yeah. takes a while. Take yeah. a while to get those three things li- lined up yeah. together. Yeah.
0: How long did that take you? Six months. Really? You, you, yeah. fit, you everything clicked just like that in six months?
1: Yeah. S- yeah oh
0: wow! So what kind of statistics? I know you mentioned that earlier. In the beginning, how, what, what were you tracking to realize, okay, I need to focus on this one strategy or these two strategies? What kind of specific criteria were you looking at?
1: First of all, I mean, when I went, went in there, it's, it's a, there's a lot of stuff to track. You you, most people go in with, okay, well, there's a lot of stuff. I have no idea what to track, yeah. right? So you start narrowing stuff down. Let's say we have a ticker that's 20 million market cap, 3 million float, uh, very similar action, put them together. How much volume okay. they traded uh, to see if there's any uh, similar actions or similar okay. behavior. Or if it's going parabolic or start going mid- midday or gapped up in the pre-market. Uh, so pretty much you want to categorize very similar market, very similar mar- uh, uh, float um, at the gap up percentages. Uh, categorize them into one section, try to find the conclusion of if volume changed, what happened? If flow changed, what happened? So Mm. you you kind of put a fixed criteria on all, uh, pretty much everything. And uh, there's only one factor that's different.
0: I see, So you will be able
1: to kind of tell, okay, next time, similar flow, similar market cap, if the volume is different, I'm supposed to do this. I see. So you need a massive amount of statistics hmm. to find, uh, I don't know, I have, I think at the beginning, I had 25 sections okay. with market cap between zero to 10 million, okay. flow between zero to one, uh, gap up over 50%, or market cap between zero to 20, or uh, flow between one to three. See, this time it's a bit different, but with gap up percentage with 50%. So you only have the flow difference. I see. A- and once you only have the flow difference, uh, with very similar volume throughout the day, so you can s- kind of see what, how much did the spiking percentage changed. Oh, so okay. So that's one method of how to figure out what to track.
0: Okay. Let me sum up that really quick because you just mentioned a lot of things. I want to make sure our audience mm. understand your method. It's the first method you mentioned really yeah. clearly. So essentially you're trying to find the first method let's say you narrow down let's say 10 stocks that you know, are low floats they have similar volume and then you look at different categories like the volume pre-market volume you know, percentage spike after open and you look at what they have in common yeah. and What's the outlier criteria, whether it be super low float or super high volume that cost uh, p- potentially have caused that one stock to stand out among the most? Yes oh okay got it yeah. okay
1: uh, first criteria and second is you second way to be able to track uh, statistics is you want to focus on volume specifically mm. because people are behind computers trading the tickers, right? So yeah. every shares they trade means one shares. And well, of course, there's algos and hedge funds involved in there. Mm. But you have to think there's one thing that the, the hedge fund that won't do is they take the entire the flow. So basically, they buy the entire flow. Okay. And first of all, they have, to, they have to file to the SEC. That's very that's, you know, not very convenient. That's what they what they don't want to do. And second, you want to, if you want to pump the stock, you don't want to own the entire flow. Hmm. Because eventually, once you sell, you're basically uh, playing with yourself. Yeah, there's no one else to sell to. There's nobody else to sell, yeah. you need the liquidity. So you do not want to occupy the entire flow, you want to retail to go in there yeah. and pump the stock up and they sell into the retails and retails loses money. So once you track enough multi-runners, there is actually a very a similar number that how much money can retail put into a ticker.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: Based on float or market cap? uh, Based on market cap. Okay. Yeah. So uh, that's another way to track uh, statistics based on how to really short into multi-day owners.
0: So in that case, let's say, hypothetically speaking, your second method just mentioned, let's say based on, I don't know, 50 mil market cap, Retail can only, let's say from that tracking, retail can only get up to you know, 10% of that market cap. And then that's the ideal time to short?
1: Uh, yes, yes. Okay. But mo- more accurately, uh, do you want to be more accurate is you want to use the volume uh, times the average traded price on that day. If it okay. meets the threshold of how much money that retail mm. can pour into stock, that means stock it will go down next day.
0: Uh, because basically, the stock has reached a maximum threshold that retail can push up to yes. the maximum maximum percentage. Yeah, yes. Oh, interesting. Or, or do- I never thought of that way. Or dollar amount.
1: There, there's a lot of method. Uh, I can go. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll do three. Um, there's another way to track statistics. I mean, okay. uh Which I personally use, which will be volume comparison, is that you want to. Um, so there's. Uh, three different, uh, c- uh, categories you want to do, you want to track. First of all is, uh, to be able to correctly tracking resistance. Okay. And a lot of people see, okay, well, there's a resistance that traded a volume on a price of three. And, uh, next time I want to short against with that $3 resistance, right? Okay. And so... Let's see, uh, for example, let's say um, uh, 15 million volume. that means five people. Let's say five people bought a stock at three. Two months later, stock instantly down to 90%. Everybody wants to get out because, mm. well, if I get out, I'll be down 90%. What's the point of me you know, selling right now since I'm already down 90%? Mm-hmm. So the first reaction that when stock pushes back to three, right, everybody wants to wants to sell. Okay. That's their instant reaction. That's human psychology right there. Yeah. So, And but here comes a problem because we're dealing with low floats. So if the stock only has three million float, and has 15 million volume in there. And that doesn't mean that there's 15 million resistance in there because there's only three million volume, uh, three million float. Sorry.
0: Okay. From previous, let's say, uh, uh, charts, uh, the resistance from like weeks ago. Yes. That doesn't have that much volume is what you're saying. No, it doesn't, it doesn't have the flow in there. Okay. It,
1: it, it, it doesn't have 15 million flow. Okay. So if you want to, let's say, one one um, every share be- is a backholder, 15 million shares means 15 million backholder. Mm-hmm. But if there's a 15 million shares, only 3 million flow, there's only 3 million backholders. Okay. Does that make sense?
0: That makes sense, yeah.
1: So... Uh, next time when you try to short into resistance, that's the statistics you want to track because Mm. you are shorting a 50 million resistance, but there's only 3 million backwards in there. Okay. So there's a very possible chance that stock can push through that resistance because there's only 3 million flow.
0: Oh, I see.
1: So uh, a lot of people trying to just short based on how much volume Uh. uh, that's against the 50 million. That's, uh. Very interesting statistics to track, okay. and um, it, it you can't once you track that statistics, you can help you avoid a lot of traps.
0: I see. Traps. So I think the first two methods you mentioned helps you find a potential short entry. The mm-hmm. third one helps you avoid getting squeezed. <laughs> yes. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing that.
1: There's uh, there's many 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 uh, uh, stuff that I. I mean, I came up in the last mm. couple of years.
0: Hi, traders. If you're enjoying this interview, please remember to leave a five star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I love reading your reviews every week. My team and I really put in a lot of work and travel behind the scenes to make these trader interviews possible. And we really appreciate all your support. Is that, do you think that's the reason why you pretty much stick with small caps? Because when it comes to large cap stocks, there's a lot, a lot less of these inefficiencies, right? And a lot of the patterns, the stats you track, do they apply to other kinds of stocks?
1: No, they don't. Uh, the limitation is, uh, well, except 2021, but the limitation is you cannot go beyond market cap that's above 300 million, initial okay. initial market cap. Mm. So if the stock starts to spike, Starting with 300 million market cap, then doesn't work. Okay. But start less than 300 million. Let's say it started around 100 million, uh-huh. then goes all the way to couple billion, it works.
0: Oh, so you're talking about let's say the, the first day of the run where the stock already started from. Yes. Oh, so anything about 300 mil that doesn't count, that's still categorized as small cap, right? Yes, yeah, still
1: categorized. Yeah, as small
0: but cap. you just won't trade it.
1: I just won't trade it.
0: Oh, so how you pick your stocks to trade is? by volume and the market cap has to be below 300 mil. Yes. Oh, okay. And yeah. what kind of volume are you looking for when you are scanning for stocks to trade each morning? Uh, really depends. I mean, volume highest, the higher
1: the higher the better. Okay. Uh, I mean, I do avoid first green day, very crowded volume. Okay. I avoid that type of tickers. Uh, but once they exhaust their volume, then uh, higher the volume, the better. Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay. What about percentage gapper? Percentage? Um, Is there a point of like too high or like too low? If it gaps above
1: 200, I would say, if, oh, well, it's probably a bit more ridiculous when it, it it's gaps above like 500%, then it looks a little bit fishy to me. Um, hmm. But okay. r- the ideal range should be between 100 to 150. 100 to 170, yeah percent percent
0: oh okay like it has to have gapped up that much for you to be interested in trading them
1: not interested but more comfortable trading okay
0: them.
1: i oh. would gap up 500 percent. i'm still interested in trading them i'm okay. just want to be a little bit cautious on how to size in okay yeah
0: so i, I get that you know 100 percent gainers are very normal in 2020 and 21 but how, how, what about in 2022 and 23? How are you selecting stocks then? Do you I change mean, the criteria?
1: There's still gappers that's above um, 100%. Okay. Uh, very few.
0: Yeah, very, very.
1: Uh, we have, let's see, MMB. That's one. Mm-hmm. When gap 200%. Then, um, yeah, not many. We had VCIG and all those biotechs. Now only capped up like eighty percent. Mm. So, yeah, above one hundred percent is my highest winning percentage. Okay. Less than seventy percent, if it doesn't have a resistance and on first green day, and it's a biotech, yeah, that's that's a no go.
0: Oh, so you also don't wanna trade. Try to avoid biotechs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is there a reason why?
1: Oh, every time when I trade biotech, I lose. I mean, it's, <laughs> and I track statistics on it, right. I still lose. Oh, okay. So I've been fighting biotech for many years now, hmm. and uh, it's sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but by the end of the day, you lose money. Right. And it uh, doesn't really matter if we are going short, we are going long. Yeah. Biotechs are very hard to predict. They do mm-hmm. not follow small cap statistics, statistics at all. Oh,
0: interesting. So, not only do you track those individual stocks or sectors or like the individual stock criteria, you also track your own performance trading these stocks.
1: Yeah, I track everything. Yes. Oh, okay. How much the stock will drop to, at what percentage, mm-hmm. to what cent, I can get to that sometimes. Okay. Yeah. That's how i would be able to bottom tick and top tick a ticker.
0: Oh, so what's like the a general formula you use to find the, the top tick and the bottom tick?
1: Uh, there's no general formula. It's based okay. on different patterns. Okay. Yeah, every pattern has its own top tick and bottom tick tick uh, point. Oh,
0: yeah. okay. Let's talk about your favorite pattern. Do you have one right now? Uh,
1: favorite pattern? Probably mm-hmm. this year it's first red day. Okay. Um, highest they can drop. Other than, IP, uh, other than IPO, IPO will be a little bit different. Mm, yeah. Uh, but not IPO, uh, multi-tier the percentage that can drop, market cap that's initially below 100 million, below 5 million, under 10 million. No, that would work too. Uh, the, neg- the average fading percentage for first red day is negative 26% average. Okay. Second day, 15%. Mm-hmm. And at the time, typically it drops to, it's 10.30. So once you once it, it reaches the okay. 10.30 a.m., that's typically the lowest point oh, okay. after the first red day. Okay. So typically you want to hold it overnight with a gap down next day, mm-hmm. hold on to 10.30, then you cover it. Yeah.
0: OK. Yeah. So these are ways that's like for this particular pattern, the first red day, that's how you find your exit. Yeah. How do you find your entry?
1: Now entry is the method that I talked about. Uh, maximum volume uh, retail or mm-hmm. maximum dollar being traded on the retails
0: oh i see do you, do, is that your favorite pattern this year has that how how is that one pattern been performing for you this year
1: It still performed great mm-hmm. it just the statistics keeps changing there's um, the money that's flowing in the retail market keeps changing yeah uh, in 2021 was 1 billion intraday mm-hmm. I think that
0: HTZ was something like that. Hertz,
1: yeah. 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 I mean that nah, Hertz is a billion dollar cap, so it mm-hmm. doesn't count. That, doesn't count. But okay. for lower cap, uh, it's one billion.
0: Okay.
1: And for 2023, it's only 200 million. So we can oh, see wow. that how much it dropped.
0: A yeah. huge drop. So we just talk about your favorite pattern. What's your your biggest win ever on that specific pattern, and your biggest loss? We can cover that. Uh, on the first red day or I guess what the most memorable winner and the most memorable loser that you ever had?
1: memorable winner, it's DWAC, D-W-A-C. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody know that I made six million on the, f- on the first day. I made 3 me- 3.5 million on the following day. And okay. I made another three million on the following day after the 3.5 million. Mm. So that week total I made 17 million, I think. Oh my God. All um, oh, from
0: shorting that stock, right?
1: All from shorting D- mm-hmm. D-WAC, and there's another ticket I followed with it. I forgot what's the name. It was a sympathy play. Okay. I went from, I think, I went from uh, 40. No, it was around 52. I showed it around 48. Covered at 28. So it's. It was a sympathy play of DWAC Okay. Uh, the most memorable loss. Yes, mm. I do remember one. It was a biotech. Oh, um, uh, okay. One million flow, one to three million flow. Uh, I think it did meet the uh, maximum retail number. Okay. And you uh, squeezed above it. Typically, mm. I size in pretty big once it once uh, it meets the retail. number. I see. Because that's a high winning percentage.
0: Yeah.
1: That's when I come at losses, and the liquidity was not very great. Mm. So so. And it took a long time to exit. That's why I think the highest was a million dollar loss. Yeah, one million.
0: Okay. Now that's why you kind of crossed out biotechs from your trading list forever. Blacklist now.
1: Yeah, yeah, blacklist. Oh, okay. And up to days, I still, I don't know, because biotechs like they have, they they do gap very often. They gap one hundred percent, two hundred percent sometimes and the when what when there is no play going on like you know in the last couple of months mm. and everybody has attempted to trade that yeah and tempting, getting, tempting. Yeah. yeah everybody's getting squeezed so mm. um um to be a very consistent profitable trader yeah to be to stay alive in this industry you have to be super disciplined
0: mm, so. yeah yeah i noticed that you don't trade every day like most traders do how how often do you actually place trades in a given month
1: uh three to five three to five a week oh uh, no not three to five in in the recent months three mm. three trades to four trades a month okay yeah typically one trade a week
0: oh wow. sometimes That's not
1: even a trade
0: yeah do you believe in, what well, do you practice, what um, is also a term that we recently learned from uh, Lenz Bretstein, Brett so I keep on uh, mispronouncing his name. He's mentioned this term called exponential bed sizing. Basically, do you size the same across all your different patterns or do you have certain ones like your favorite one that you would use more risk on?
1: Oh, yeah, that's compound, compound growth. It's... Um so, uh, I have all the patterns winning percentage down mm-hmm. Some patterns have seventy percent some some patterns has eighty percent, ninety percent. The higher the winning percentage is, that means bigger size for me.
0: Okay, and how do you allocate that? Let's say the basic average is that just use for a simple simple number a thousand so then that's us say that's the average right That's us say anything with 60 percent win rate you'll use an average of a thousand dollars risk mm-hmm. and how would you use that for your um 90 win rate or your 80 percent win rate um patterns like what what number would it be 10x 10x oh okay
1: yeah so it'd be so average i'm using 100k 200k positions mm-hmm. and yeah the best it would be 2 million highest that size it was 17 million it was crazy
0: 17 million shares traded
1: no a 17 million dollar position
0: oh okay and how do you scale in because i understand once you're starting take taking these like massive sizes how do you scale into your position
1: uh, how do you scale in mm-hmm. parts by parts and it has to be under one percent of the volume.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if, let's say, for example, for a stock, your max size will be, let's say, in this example, a hundred thousand shares, and you will just divide it up into ten thousand share lots, or maybe twenty thousand share lots.
1: Fifty. Fifty. Yeah. The bigger the positions, maybe you have to break down a little bit more. But
0: yeah.
1: Uh, under one million dollars, it should be two okay two entries oh okay maybe three
0: yeah do you think new traders should learn about scaling as well or they should do one entry one exit
1: one entry one exit it's okay. all it's uh, the most efficient is one and one enter and one exit one oh, go. okay yeah.
0: so you never started with like you know let's say divide it into two halves and then just add and add and then two exits
1: uh, sometimes you will turn into add and add and add and blow up.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But well, it happens a lot to, a lot to traders. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, basically in that case, they're not adding to winners, they're adding, averaging down to a loser.
1: Yeah. A lot of people think that, uh, adding to winners, cut losses into losers. Hmm. I disagree with that. You have to know exactly where you enter exactly where you want to exit Hmm. and before you enter the trade you should know that how much you will lose if you fail
0: so we mentioned that about your most memorable loss so when you take these big losses is it usually from slippage or or was everything calculated beforehand everything calculated
1: really okay
0: I already know that million dollar loss was coming. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Because it's a biotech and you were sizing in that as your A-plus setup. Yeah. So you were willing to risk a bit more. Yeah. Okay, I see. You just shared some really good tips for a lot of the newbie traders. Basically, you recommend one entry in, one exit out. Yeah. Yeah, don't overcomplicate this.
1: Uh, maybe two, maximum two. Okay. But I would recommend one in and one exit
0: oh okay and we also talked about statistics and tracking do you think beginners should be tracking like you are or they should simplify things or how, how would you recommend them to approach tracking
1: well first of all for people that come to trading you mm. love trading i love trading i love to win yeah people some people come in for trading that they want to make money mm. so either way you want uh, you want to win so yeah you, whatever do whatever that makes you want to win. I can guarantee you that tracking statistics will make you win more. So
0: um, okay. uh,
1: I recommend track as much as you can. Uh, do the method that I recommend, the first method, mm-hmm. which finding out the outliers. Okay. Um, and to see what's the uh, factor that actually affect the stock push, uh, fading percentages or pushing percentages. Um, then you will start finding your entry from there. So.
0: I think a lot of beginners also suffer from struggle with overtrading, and how do you think they should... is there any way in which they can utilize tracking statistics and help them avoid you know overtrading these like random oh, setups? Yes.
1: There, there's one way yeah. I, I found out I was very helpful and it should be the golden tips uh, for not Making stupid mistakes on overtrading. <laughs> okay. Well, I to be honest, I overtrade. Uh I, oh, okay. I you see, I even overtrade. I sometimes, you know, hate myself over trades because you know, nobody wants to make stupid mistakes and wasting money on um you know something that you, you shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. I don't think there's as long as we're not an algo, everybody mm-hmm. make overtrading mistakes. Yeah. So uh first method which will be the most important one is you want to track well first of all find your pattern find out the statistics find out the average winning percentage act, and find out uh, uh the average um profitable percentages so let's say okay. this pattern average profit you can profit around 15 percent, 20 percent okay find out the frequency how many times it happens a year generally a she that using a fixed size. So let's say every time when this pattern appears, I'm going to size in $5,000. I'm going to make $1,000 on the trade. Uh, this pattern happens 50, 50 times a year, mm-hmm. 60 times a year. You can generate uh, a number,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, how much you can make a year.
0: That's your expected return. That's your
1: expected return. OK. So. Every time, when you sit in front of the computer in the morning every day, look at that number first. <laughs> okay. Look at it first. Right. This is how much I'm going to make a year. So I'm not going to make a stupid mistakes to here today. I see. And it works very well.
0: Oh, okay. Okay, let me repeat that one more time. So you basically find out for each individual, they should find their own strategy and find the average winning percentage. Mm-hmm. And the average return, like you know 20% return whatever, and they put in the account size and use that the account exposure mm-hmm. and you have to calculate how much potentially they can make in a year after learning about how frequent that pattern happens yes and use that number be it a hundred thousand or 50,000 use that number as an inspiration to stay disciplined and stick with that strategy. Yeah. That's amazing. I never heard of this me- this method.
1: I mean, I came up with it myself because yeah. I was overtrading. Yeah.
0: Oh, and that did help you focus on like your A-plus strategies. Yeah, always
1: focus on long-term. Once mm. you look at that number, you, make, you automatically tran- transition your mind from short-term to long-term.
0: I think what a lot of people do is like they scalp around when there's no like perfect strategy. They just scalp around to make at $50 here and there, and they forget about the big picture. Here,
1: I'll so. share a story. Um, yeah. So overtrading. Uh, in the first two years, I was making nine hundred thousand a year, and I think the second year was two point seven million mm. and every time, every year, I would go into my uh, account statement and look at what I traded what, I, what I'm supposed to trade, what, what I'm not supposed to trade okay now there's some losses that I'm supposed to lose mm. that's okay, yeah, but you, you have to recognize what you are supposed to lose, what you are not supposed to lose. Mm, yeah. So once I filtered what I'm not supposed to lose, I can make 4x of the money that I made oh,
0: wow. that year.
1: So okay. basically, that's where I started to do uh, the method that I took.
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow, and like especially when it's 4x, it's not even something equivalent like 1 to 1, it's 1 to 4. Yeah, yeah. and also I
1: see it as a challenge because um, so basically, I the method I use for all the patterns, mm-hmm. you will generate a number. Let's say you're supposed to make 20 million this year. Yeah. Every time, I can only hit 30%. Mm.
0: High,
1: highest I hit was 37. Okay. Not even close to 80% to oh. 90% to the full maximum pe- performance that I'm I supposed see. to do as the perfect robot. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: So is that what you're trying to aim for? You're trying to reach closer to closer to that 100% potential
1: yes oh, and okay. every time i see 30% 30, 37% i i keep i have a really close friend i talk about trading but i keep calling myself garbage trader because i can oh, only had 30 okay. 37 30, yeah
0: in a way you kind of treat trading as a game as well
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it's a game
0: so now that you've made so much money does does a meaning of do you think money loses its meaning
1: doesn't lose lose its meaning mm it uh i don't ever focus on how much money that was generated by trading okay now it is i would say not the priority it is Mm. the first first will be the the thing that i told you is i want to perfect the system yeah um i want to be able to top tick bottom tick okay make sure it hits the maximum performance of all the patterns that i track and if I reach that goal, I had my, I had myself uh, a goal for uh, for myself. Once I reach eighty five percent, I'm quitting trading. Really? Yeah. So so so, but it was never eighty five percent.
0: But I think you might eventually get there.
1: I don't think so. Really? I don't think so.
0: L- last year you did thirty percent. This year you say you're doing thirty. No, the seven? highest
1: highest was thirty seven okay. in twenty twenty one.
0: Oh, okay. So in a way, if, if you never get to 80%, you'll never quit trading as well?
1: Uh, no. no. Uh, okay. I don't think I'll ever, ever get there. I mean, last year was, uh, uh, that, this year was only 20%, even worse. Mm. Last year was, last year was sick, so it doesn't count. Yeah. 2022 was like 29 so it's...
0: Is that kind of what keeps you going as well? Waking up in the morning each day, because you're you're here on the West Coast, right? What time do you wake up? Five thirty. Okay.
1: Five to five thirty.
0: Uh And then you like scan for stocks. And what, what's your routine like after you wake up at five thirty?
1: What's your routine? Uh, look at the stocks. Uh, if there's nothing, play some video games. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's I don't want to look stay there and stare at the stocks and you know thinking about some over-trading strategy. So
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um if it fits the criteria fits the criteria if it doesn't you know have some fun play some video games
0: do you ever revisit and look at the scanner midday and see if there's opportunities or like if you don't see anything by six thirty, that's it for the day
1: uh no trade after 12 that's okay it. no trade after 11 i suppose
0: and that's 11 a.m uh west coast time or 11 a.m market time
1: uh, uh, market time
0: market time okay Eleven thirty a.m oh yeah. okay What do you do for fun, Steven? Do you look at spreadsheets and math and numbers for fun on your downtime? Oh, I play a
1: lot of video games. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I played StarCraft II uh, for many years. Okay. And before I I was mainly focused on trading, I got Mm. into uh, uh, World Series Championship.
0: Oh, you were trading, not trading pro, pro. Uh, playing pro? Not playing pro, but, uh, but uh, my
1: skill is approaching to pro oh okay yeah i got to highest i got to a round of 64 world series championship yeah
0: but how come you didn't pursue it
1: i didn't because trading it's makes right. more money uh, <laughs> that, that, that's true. Yeah.
0: well a lot of pro players they the game pro gamers they make a lot of money too but uh, you know like they get paid a, like 50 mil like the ones who win yes yeah
1: uh, i mean most of it um it's not the prize. they uh they promote either they they market they're the marketer of their game so, oh, so i they get paid that way
0: oh okay
1: i mean that that game gives me a lot of benefits uh first of all psychology second is hand speed oh so clicking
0: be, buttons clicking buttons okay. i will be able
1: to borrow like shares within point for the three seconds you, you can
0: know. have hockey set for that too i, right?
1: I know but like yeah. you back in the days manually
0: yes i oh. can do it very quickly okay yeah so starcraft got you to think about to to train i guess your mouse click speed <laughs> yeah and and you mentioned something about trader psychology whether it's buyers or a seller how, how does that game help you start thinking about it that way
1: the game itself it's very competitive it's one one versus one so i have an opponent that's on the opposite on mm. the opposite of my side yeah and first of all you have to scout, have to guess his strategy, and okay. according to his plan, you have to make defense, defense plan. If his plan changes and you, you got it wrong, then you lose. Okay. So it's basically a counter psychology game, back and mm. forth, back and forth, until you win. Yeah. So, and it, and also, uh, it correlates what you are thinking with your hand you don't misclick you don't do anything mm. uh, you know if you make a mistake uh, mistake on misclicking you lose the game too yeah so um and it's always high focus you, uh, during the high focus moment you have you have to also think about the counter strategy for from for other mm. people and uh, i think it's very similar to trading mm. very intense moments yeah and also be able to think clearly be calm figure out you know, you don't, first of all, you don't misclick. Second, figure out what they're thinking to, to be able to build a counter strategy against them.
0: So, mm, so you kind of have to think about their potential couple steps after and think about if he does that, then what are you going to do? Yes. The, the I, I forgot who told me this, but trading is basically a bunch of if and then statements. Like if stock ABC does this, then this should happen. Yeah. yeah. Is that kind of how you kind of start thinking about trading? Uh, yes. Yeah. I know you used to live in Ohio. Is there a reason you decide to move to California to pay more taxes? <laughs> Not pay more taxes, but
1: uh, <laughs> there's better food here. That's uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I love food. Uh, I don't like waking up earlier, <laughs> but hmm. um, better weather. I, I don't like cold weather. I think I told you. Yeah. Um, I hate cold weathers, um, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's pretty oh. much it. And we have a different. Life experience. I don't. Yeah. I, I, I'm not planning to live in California forever. Okay. Yeah, so,
0: oh. were you, were some of your family out here as well? No. No, just you.
1: I have a brother. Li- uh, when when uh, it's currently going to school in. Uh, used to go to school in Florida. Nothing kind of kid.
0: Oh, okay. Older or younger brother? Younger. Oh. Ten years younger. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're the eldest of the family. Do you think he look up to you as an example?
1: Oh, yes, he does. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Would you want him to get into trading, though? (laughs) I ask people that a lot. A lot of people, uh, I mean, I I believe, I I taught a lot
1: of students. I believe you also taught a lot of students. Mm -hmm. Trading is not for uh, everyone.
0: Mm, I believe that, too.
1: Yeah. You have to have that very, very good personalities. That's number one. Number two, be able to... Uh, handle trading in a different perspective. Like every, a lot of people go into tr- trading with the gambling mindset. Hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I mean, every time you gamble, every time you lose, it's, that's the rule. Hmm.
0: Yeah, speaking of gambling, you're Chinese, we're, we're both Asian. Stocks, like trading stocks or investing in stocks or even researching stocks in Asia, there's like a negative stigma. Was, was your family ever concerned about what you're doing back then? and even Oh, my now? dad
1: was. My mom wasn't. Okay. Um, because whatever they experienced early in their age, they don't want their child to go through the same thing.
0: They lost some money in stocks.
1: do uh, they? Yeah, stocks is something that they don't want their child to go through because mm. they took a lot, massive loss right. in their er- earlier age. So um, that's how. Ch- parents teacher student uh, t- oh, teacher child mm. to you know go through their life i mean not just stocks if they uh, you know make some mistakes in any other industry they wouldn't want their child to go through that yeah. same again do
0: yeah. you think they're proud of what you've accomplished uh,
1: yes yes and no no it's I did not be my own game. <laughs> uh, yes, it is uh, um, of. Uh, I mean, I have made some histories trading as a retail traders. Mm-hmm. Uh, highest profitable, oh, highest PNL in one day, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. Uh, probably throughout the year too. Um uh, but uh, yeah.
0: Do you think if? I know you're doing this for the game now. If If I say, I I tell you today, or starting tomorrow, you trade, you can trade, you see all those numbers, but those numbers are not real money, meaning you will make zero dollars, whether you're up a million or down a million from trading, would -hmm. you still be trading?
1: I I wouldn't paper trade, to be honest. Because first of all, uh, I hate people calling me paper traders. Okay. At the very begin- beginning of my trading career, I was posting PNL on on, on traders, and everybody calling, oh, paper trading, paper trading.
0: Oh, I, I hated that.
1: And okay. uh, then I started posting my account statement. Here's my account statement. You can go ask Dan or you can ask the owner of the mm. brokerage, and uh, and I mean they can verify if it's real or not. So then mm. that's I mean I, I I don't like people calling me like oh you're trading fake money. So
0: it's, yeah, but I, w- I was asking. Because you treat trading as a game and you're just trying to get become a better trader. If you cannot make actual money from trading, would you still wake up every day at 5.30 to scan for stocks, could go through that routine of tracking, executing your A-plus strategies, would you still be doing this game? I mean, I would probably do a very similar game that makes money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so making money is still important. I mean, it's important, important yeah, sense. double win, yeah. Um, where do you, what do you buy with your money? Where do you place your, all the profits? What do you do to diversify?
1: Diversify. Uh, Most recently, uh, you can buy T-bills. I mean, very very safe, 5%. Yeah. Um, And I trade stocks, and I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't like long-term stocks. I don't know why. You
0: don't, oh.
1: Because, um, I mean, the most recent statistics on overall economy doesn't seem very good okay looks like there's a massive recession coming yeah and uh we have all kinds of bubbles mm. um so everything's a bubble now <laughs> yep and there's going to be a large pullback so cash is king right now mm. and okay wait until the market drops and potentially buy some dip.
0: Okay, so you don't believe in real estate, like watches, like any alternative investments? Uh,
1: Real estate goes as same as stocks long term. Oh,
0: okay. I'm surprised because Chinese people usually like to buy real estate. I mean, yes,
1: yes, I do like real estate, but they don't perform as aggressive as as, uh, trading. Hmm. So whatever you have available, typically for for a method of trading is when i see a good play i wire money in and i trade and I wire it out
0: mm, okay
1: so this way you make sure that you, if you make a stupid mistake you don't blow up your account that's very smart actually and uh as long as you trust your trading skills i would prefer cash
0: oh okay yeah your approach is very similar we, we just talked to Tim Sykes the other day he has all his cash according to him in like a money market he doesn't do any investments no cars no nothing mm. yeah. do you invest in cars? Uh, yeah, I have a few cars but okay they're not investing thing. Oh, okay. They're literally, you just buy them yeah. because for fun. What are your current life goals? Because you're so young. You're like 28, 27, 28, and you achieve so much. What's next for you for Steven Ducks?
1: Next is probably hedge fund.
0: Yeah? Okay.
1: Um, and I saw a number that I could potentially make uh, in 2021, and I think I can get there once the market is back of course Um, it's 200
0: million so my goal is 200 million a year as a retail trader or as a hedge fund trader retail okay hedge fund might be a little bit different yeah i think hedge fund or depends on how much money you have on the assets under management but uh yes okay (laughs) yeah but uh, do you think once you start a hedge fund or if you do do you have to trade differently
1: maybe I don't mm. know never never started a hedge fund so we'll uh, see
0: okay yeah that'll be very interesting yeah yeah
1: uh probably start small i don't know hedge fund is a little bit different because you don't t- you don't take away all the money that you make mm-hmm. it's investors money it's investors yeah money. so you are charging a little bit of commissions and very small percentage of how much money that was made mm. maybe it was not very maybe it's not worth it but it could be a good life experience. Yeah. So you try that yeah. out. Yeah.
0: You're doing the, this just for the game now by by, by when you do that. I can, yeah. I can
1: tell other people I'm, I was a hedge fund manager. Mm-hmm. You can say that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, good life experience. could try okay. it out. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for sharing with us all your tips and strategies. Where can people find you?
1: They uh, you can find me at dot D-U-X-I, com. Okay.
0: Where does ducks come from?
1: That's mm. not your real last name, right? It was my first three letters of my name, D U X. D,
0: Du, Du Xi. Show. X I U. X. Oh, oh, they're missing a U. Yeah. Oh, Show, Du Show X
1: I A N. Do show X. Yeah.
0: D-U-X.
1: So it's the Xian. first three letters of my name.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you like ducks? Interesting name. I mean, I think. <laughs> it kind of stuck. Uh. I mean, it doesn't doesn't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did someone mispronounce and got stuck? Is what I meant? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay.
1: Yeah. And then, and then ever since, everybody called me Docs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Docs, for being here today and sharing so much with our audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. I want to say thank you guys so much for leaving us a five star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your support means a lot to us.